Welcome Pathfinders to the Find the Path podcast actual play of the Mummy's Mask Adventure Path. Woo! We're spent. Um. <laughs> we, we've had a long day and it's not even over. I can't remember the last time we literally exhausted everything we had. I actually have a lot of spells left. I was going to say, uh, I'd I, be really surprised if that's the case. You guys have only taken on yeah. like three encounters. <laughs> It's healing being a problem. Yeah, but yeah, our healing yeah. is like pretty tough. Because tapped, right? Masika can't convert. So if you want me to be able to attack, I have to memorize both. So what I'm hearing is you're like a second level cleric, cause, uh, or a second edition cleric, not second level. <laughs> second edition cleric. You're like a second no, level they get cleric. That pool thing. <laughs> did you guys buy a big wand just for that purpose? Yes, we did. We're now starting to tap it. So, But yeah, um, when the last we left. It wouldn't have been left, so bad if everybody wasn't freaking blind. That's mm -hmm. fair. So when last we left our heroes, the doorkeepers still exploring the Tekra Minute, the Lantern Vault, had delved even deeper after fighting the two Children of Light, which are fun encounters. They were quote unquote fun uh, because we got lots of burns. <laughs> until Good Hall example of why knowledge is power, because once we knew what they were doing to us, we could counteract it. Yep. That's why those knowledge skills are so important. That's why they uh, required that actually recalling knowledge as powerful as it is is an action in second edition. Yep. Yeah, rogues get lots of skills, but not so much lots of knowledges. That's true. This party I needs a bard. I was just blind. <laughs> Everybody needs a bard. But yeah, you had uh, defeated the Children of Light before descending back down to the, the chamber containing the Lantern Vault and found some nifty treasures down there, including... Uh, a folding box, the chest of keeping. That was yeah, some wine, cool. uh, which I believe you cracked open. A couple uh, mm -hmm. figurines, including one of Chistasek, that you could put on a little platform to do various things. Although the oh. Chistasek one is no longer magical because yeah. he is Sad. dead. Yeah. And traps. We found several symbols of insanity. And so many traps. <laughs> and uh, the uh, little fey assassin figurine. Oh, yeah, those are cool. Yeah. Yep. You would have then... Uh, identified via... I can't remember what your ability is called, Heather. It's, vision? It's a spell. It's the vision spell. Oh, okay. It's just, it's from my lore spirit, which I... Is, my is lore that is my from your automatic writing? Yes. Oh, okay. Automatic writing is one of the abilities the spirit gives me. The vision is the spell for that bonus spell for I that see. level, like a cleric's domain. Masika could technically change out her wandering spirit, but lore is so good, I just keep it. It's yeah. come in handy twice already, so... It's kind of like having a bard. <laughs> yep. Except for, you know, I guess Narmer is the only one that does the singing. <laughs> I don't think I've ever sung as Narmer, but I... I, I think want you to sing. sing as Narmer now. I was going to say, I, I was going to say Patreon French Gold. <laughs> <Yeah. love tonight. laughs> That's no. a random one to pick, but okay. I don't know, it's the yeah. first one that came to mind. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, you would then send it back up. You'd use your vision, visionary spell, your vision, to identify the properties of the... The big battery. The is. great receptacle. And we found out that, yeah, it's probably only going to work the once, so we should probably have everything ready and not have to mess with earth elementals and giant crazy birds. Yeah, and good good on, uh, on uh, us for actually having the vision ability, because otherwise we'd have put that in and just been like... Well, guess we don't get this really cool thing that can bring somebody back from the light, from <laughs> life and does all this other know, really cool, cool stuff while we journey around this place that's probably going to try to kill us at every turn. And we would start a clock. Nobody and wants now that. boss rush. Yep, it would have been <laughs> a mad sprint. 
yeah, you then collected yourselves together. You'd stepped back out to go and meet up with the Shaitan warrior Tef Naju when Sudi had stepped out and uh, been overcome with another mask vision. Oh, man. Nice. Maybe I'll get a vision about this place being built. That'd be useful. Which I suppose is where we should begin. Again, the four of you step out of the Lantern Vault out back into the... Uh, I keep wanting to say blinding light of the sun, but it's actually dimmer than it was inside of the Lantern Vault, which was blindingly bright all of the time. <laughs> but you're inside of a trench here, so it's actually Into a the dimmer. darkness that is normal sunlight. <laughs> yes. Comparatively. Sudi, the, the world shifts and fades for you and then seems to rematerialize. Again, you turn expecting to see your compatriots, feeling the cold, pressing sensation of the mask against your face, conforming seamlessly, so seamlessly, that often, maybe disturbingly, you forget you're even wearing it, as it fits your face like a glove fits a hand. Every single little whisker gets a nice little hug of metal. I just assume they poked through. Oh, I don't think they do. Makes little whisker slots for the whiskers to stick out from. Who knows? Because yeah, you need your whiskers to like do stuff. Or it gold plates the whiskers, which would be cool. That's what I was thinking, is it gold plates all the whiskers. You turn to see a massive creature. Ahead of you is a, a being immediately recognizable as a sphinx. Although one of a size beyond anything that you have seen or experienced. The figure, even sitting, is easily eight times the size of Tedasura. Oh, dang it. Cresting at a height of some nearly 40 feet. Massive wings, more akin to those of a vulture, spread out behind its large lion-like body. Its mane forms down into these various braids of which have been capped with these lapsus lazuli clasps. A pectoral covers its upper chest, displaying the scarab beetle with the numerous wings, the ancient symbol of Osirian. It wears a headdress and a pharaonic beard. What? The headdress forming into two wings of gold behind its massive head as it stares down imperiously, lost in his shadow, but unbowed is the form of Hakatub. Not the young man that you'd seen in your last vision, Hakatub, after his marriage, after his father's death, a man in his, you'd say maybe early 20s then. This Hakatub looks to have been aged, not a great deal, but at least put on half a decade since then, and appears to be approaching his 30s. He wears his full regalia, although his chest is bare, Numerous rings cover his hands, numerous bracelets across his arms, and an impressive pectoral of his own. He carries with him a crook and flail, the symbols of his office and station. Hakatep looks up towards the Sphinx, reaches behind him, and produces a bag. This he upturns, and despite the small size of this bag, a comedic amount of treasure pours from the opening. The Sphinx watches curiously. It's at this moment you can look around, see that you stand here on the edge of a cliff. The desert spread out around you as you stand seemingly on the upper portions of maybe a mountain. Although with the sheer amount of desert here, there's few mountains that it could be. Maybe the Pillars of the Sun? 
Although you never got quite close enough to those. The Sphinx narrows his eyes. This is far more hospitable than our last meeting. Sky Pharaoh. Architep shakes the bag once or twice as a few last coins fall free. Tucks it back behind him. And then in a, in a surprising amount of humility, inclines his head. Wow. I'm afraid that we got off to a rough start in our last meeting. The Sphinx bellows out a laughter that literally shakes pebbles loose from the nearby walls. That would be an understatement, Sky Pharaoh. Although you approach me with proper gifts and decorum this time. The Sphinx adjusts his position in a way that reminds you comedically of a cat making itself more comfortable. He stares down at the Pharaoh. There are four brothers in this world that were all born together. The first runs and never wearies. The second eats and is never full. The third drinks and is always thirsty. The fourth sings a song that is never good. Tantalus? A long moment passes. Hakatep hits his flail against his leg in a slow, steady beat of what seems to be annoyance and impatience. Water, fire, earth, and wind. Hey, I got that one. So, hey, so did I. <laughs> hey, good on you. I didn't get it. The Sphinx folds his paws in front of him and relaxes, lays down on his stomach so his head is only three times as high as Hakatep now. <laughs> now we may treat as equals. Makare, from your vantage here, you must know of what goes on to the south. Ah, yes. Your war with the Shuri. And then you know why I've come. The pharaoh paces. The sphinx smiles. I perhaps know. But I do not answer any question unless I am certain I know the answer to it. Hakatep pauses. Looks to the south. For five years I have fought the Shuri. Five years. They attack our outposts. They take what they will from our caravans, and before we can retaliate or strike back, they take to the skies. I have heard rumors reach me even here of your battles in the skies of Osirian. Is that not what your men chant to you, O Hakatep? Sky Pharaoh! Hakatep nods. We cannot win. Not with the power that they possess. No. The Shuri are gifted of magic. A magical gift granted to them by the ten magic warriors of old. Oh, I'm on their side. Hakatep nods. I have begun to take steps. I have met with the tribes of the desert. I have met with Asim, Omakun, Setemenes, and Tarnathus. Ah, the four wise witches. I too am familiar with them and their wisdom. And in their wisdom, Hakatep turns, beginning to take a half step forward before seemingly remembering the thing that he's addressing. <laughs> they sent me to speak with you. Ah, yes. And you insulted me. I... The Get Sphinx him, raises Sphinx. a paw. Just swat him. Swat him real good. <laughs> you proved yourself in our first meeting. There are few who can match my power. And you were wise to retreat when you did. But that is behind us. I am immortal and as old as this desert itself. 
and I have little time for old grudges. Hakatep nods. Surprisingly progressive view. I turned my skills to solving the problem with the Shori. I sent my Akumen to abduct the Shori wizards. They've collected fragments of their technology, and I have studied it extensively. I found allies amongst the Shori. <laughs> you speak of the Plague Queen of Cole. Hakatep nods. Sudi, for a moment you feel as there's no expression that changes to him, but almost through the mask. You feel this moment of concern about the level of information the Sphinx has. Mm-hmm. And she in turn betrayed her people and has moved to aid me. Betrayed her own sister with Sahila's assistance. You can hear the air quotes around that word. I've learned a great deal of the Shori aromancy. But I must know more. You speak of your earthworks to the south. Your slave trenches. Akatep pauses again. I have barely begun and already sacrificed thousands of lives. And thousands more will follow. I will ensure Osirian dominance. And I will drag those cities from the sky one at a time if I must to do so. The Sphinx eyes him for a long time. It will take a great deal of time, Sky Pharaoh. But I may be able to lend my knowledge and assistance to you, as I did to the ten warriors of the past and their master. Whoa! Akatep narrows his eyes. And what will you require of me? In payment. The Sphinx eyes the mound of gold and treasure before looking back and smiling. I enjoy a good challenge, Sky Pharaoh. And you intrigue me. The price will be much more than this, though. He gestures a paw towards the treasure. Hakatep begins to speak before the Sphinx once again raises a paw. Not a payment you will pay to me, but the time this will take. The Osirian you return to may no longer be the Osirian you left. Oh. Hakatep stares north now, back in the direction you know of Sothis. You speak of my brother. <laughs> <laughs> the wind carries a great many secrets here, Hakatep, and you already know those. Hakatep turns back, then let's not waste any more time. The vision shifts and fades as Sudi you find yourself standing now within the earthworks that he dedicated so much time and effort to. Tefnaju stands nearby, watching this entire exchange curiously, as I imagine all of you have formed somewhat of a protective triangle around Sudi and his weakened state out here in this very dangerous place. Mm-hmm. I've been scribbling my notes. Well, that answers a few questions for us. Which one specifically? The war was real. It sounds more like they were just raiding the border. I believe he over-responded, it appears. <laughs> Because it really just sounds like they're sending forays over to sack villages and rob caravans. It's not like they were storming the cities. I mean, that's still not good. I'm just saying it doesn't seem like it was... Worth the uh, effort of building this place? Yeah. Masika kind of gestures around. I mean, I wonder how many people he killed of his own rather than the shore killing of them. I know. I'm inclined to agree with both of you. There had to be some trigger that we're missing out on. But he hasn't deigned to reveal. I think he just wants sky magic power. So who is he bargaining with? 
He bargained with the, I mean, the largest sphinx I've ever seen, the male one. I mean, probably eight times as big as Tedesura. That's big. Big and apparently one that interacted with the ten, so ten magic warriors. Oh my! What they said. I'm not familiar with that, but. Mm. I don't know if any of us are familiar with it. Yeah. I don't know what kind of knowledge check that is. I mean, that'd be a knowledge history. If Sudi reveals his name, you could feasibly make a knowledge check on the Sphinx as well. The, the Sphinx's name was uh, Meku, Mekuhare. Is it also history for the Sphinx? Anyone that wishes to may make me a knowledge history. I will do both. Um, oh, and I guess Sugar will help me. All right, I don't know anything about the 10 Magic Sugar Warriors. Sugar helps me. Um, I get a 32 history. With 32, you are aware of Mekuhare. History is somewhat of a, it's kind of the closest you can get with a being such as this. Mekuhare is of historical import, although is so mythological and legendary that the name is oftentimes spoken of in breaths with other things that are so... Even in a world of magic such as Galarian, so far out there as to strain credulity. Oh, I love it. Yes. Mekohare is believed to be one of the oldest sphinxes in existence. Ooh. Stories date back that Mekohare predated the rise of human civilizations. And legends claim that he even battled and bargained with the serpent folk that predated humanity and the giants that predated them as well. Wow. Wow. And it's said that he's a being of such incredible power that, in fact, he kind of transcends what most people consider to be a sphinx and approaches something closer to a demigod. Cool. Uh, in short, basically, a mythic with capital M mythic being. Mm. I mean, I get a 28 on the magic warriors, just taking 10. Okay. As far as Mekuhare and his accomplishments are concerned, is he is known to have, again, been around through so much of history that his knowledge is extensive. In addition to that, it is known that he is extraordinarily powerfully powerful, just magically speaking, as far as innate magic born into you know, very well what he is. Uh, he is a creature sometimes referred to as an elder sphinx. Mm. Uh, these are beings of such power that it's said that their roars can basically literally kill. <laughs> Whoa. That they can produce litanies of riddles so complicated that it actually breaks the sanity of, sanity of those that they speak to. Wow. And perhaps most importantly, that they can enter into a, that he can enter into a state of suspended animation, transforming his body into a stone monument, which was the inspiration for the original Sphinxes of Osirian. Wow. Cool. Uh, it's I in this him. state that he, in essence, gains his immortality. Hmm. Uh, whereas he does not need to eat eat, breathe, drink, sleep, anything like that, and can heal from even the most fatal wounds. Wow. Oh, it's the Odin sleep. <laughs> Basically, yeah. But as far as uh, Mekuhari's involvement here, you know that he was somehow involved with the Four Pharaohs of Ascension. Hmm. Although in what precise manner, you're not entirely certain. Uh, you know that he was also entreated, but refused to become involved during the Kadiran occupation of Osirian. But for the most part, that he's just called Osirian itself home for millennia. Mm -hmm. There are some rumors that he was also responsible, or at the very least somewhat aided Osirian during their battle and its subsequent victory over Zoltani the Fire Leader. Oh. The spawn of Rovagug. Ah. Wow. Although exactly how that happened, you don't entirely know. 
Uh, this is the first you've ever heard of him having any involvement with the Magic Warriors. You are aware that the uh, the ten Magic Warriors were the ancestral heroes of the Moongi Expanse and disciples of the old Mage Jatembe. And, yeah. All right, couple things. And they're really rad, and y'all should read the Moongi book. They did a lot of really impressive things. Legendary, you might say. The Shori magic comes from one of the warriors who I imagine was really good at aromancy. Uh, as far as your understanding of the Shori is concerned, uh, go ahead and make me another uh, knowledge. Uh, eh, let's make it history. I should have just taken 10 because it's the same roll. 28. With a 28? Oh, sugar can help. Sugar helps. 30. <laughs> Very well. You're aware that the Shori were founded by one of the 10 magic warriors, the magic warrior known as Black Heron. Ah. Black Heron was responsible for uniting both the uh, Gurundi nomads of uh, southern Garund as well as the Mwangi tribes of the northern portion of the Mwangi expanse into one confederacy, which eventually led to the formation of the Shori Empire, basically bounding them all, banding them all together during his battles against the cults of Rovagug. <laughs> to keep, his, keep the people safe and such, he invented aromatic magic to create pl flying platforms and eventually flying cities to provide them with protection from the attempted destruction by the cult of Rovagug. Huh. Can't destroy if you can't reach. Famously, it didn't actually quite work because uh, the Tarask managed to leap high enough to grab onto one of the cities and drag one of them down from the sky. Jeez. Ah. Well, you know. Like you do. All right. But mostly they started with uh, flying platforms before flying cities. First of all, I guess that must have rang a bell. Um... I, I never heard of that eldest Sphinx ever talking to old Mage Jatembe and his warriors, but I mean. Wait, is that what that was? I don't put Akuhai? it past him. An elder so, Sphinx? I, I mean, he, that Sphinx had a bunch of stuff. Probably still around, honestly. Um, helped with the fire bleeder. Uh, helped do all sorts of things. Weirdly, did not help when it was entreated to overthrow the Kadirans that were up in here. But he can also just turn himself into a big old stone sphinx and uh, stone recover sphinx. and not have to eat and sleep. And that's how he's kind of, you know, forever. I mean, people think he goes way back, like way, way back, like before people were a thing back. Sudi, you need to, to leave the giant sphinx alone. Masika oh. pats Sudi's oh. shoulder. Oh, no, oh, I think we so need to knowledge. meet the giant sphinx, but his he can say a riddle that's so crazy it breaks your brain. So you got to be real careful. Um, but he could teach us. So, so he looks slightly less uh, less excited about hearing that. That just makes me more excited. I mean, honestly, <laughs> it sounds like Hakatep went to the Sphinx to learn the aeromancy that he taught one of these ten magic warriors so he could use it in his war. It's weird, though, because cause I don't think that the... I don't... I mean, maybe he learned it from him, but as far as I know, the Black Heron, one of the ten magic warriors, invented aeromancy. And I mean, made kind of essentially united a bunch of folks and made the Shori Empire and built them floating platforms and whatnot to keep them safe from cultists of Rovagug, as one does. But uh, I mean, maybe he learned that, or maybe it went the other direction and they made a deal. And so they taught the Sphinx aromancy, and in exchange, he did something else. I'm not really sure. Anyway, um, I'm, I'm still skeptical about this being a war. It really sounds like the Shori are raiding the border and Hakatep's throwing well, a giant Well, it was a big enough from, issue yeah. for Hakatep to find a traitor among the Shori who would teach him at least the beginnings of aeromancy. A traitor? His, well, he mentioned, and I don't remember the name. I don't remember the name. The um, all I remember queen? is Plague Queen. Plague queen. The mm -hmm. Plague, Plague queen, queen of Ko. He mentioned some Plague Queen of Ko. Oh, she sounds fun. 
I mean, he sounds. She sounds Hakatep adjacent. Jasura. Oh, you know her? Oh, you know her? I knew her once. What was her deal? Stefan Azu scratches at the corner of his jaw, glancing back off towards the south. So, yeah, who was she? She was a disciple of Hakatep's. Oh, that's weird. Worshipped him would be Uh, perhaps a proper term, but it was more of an obsession. Oh, wait, wait. I heard air quotes in Sudi's voice when he said assistance. Do you think that she was compelled somehow? It didn't strike me the few times I met her. And if she were compelled, it would be surprising that she betrayed him in the end. Oh, okay, well, good. (laughs) She turned on Hakatep. Why? I could give you the gossipy answer. Oh, heck yeah, bring it. Oh, I like gossip. Sugar, perk up, honey, perk up. (laughs) (laughs) Sugar, perk's a little head out. (laughs) Hold on, open open this satchel, little chicken head pops out. All right, continue. You don't understand me. Tell him to continue, Hollis. (laughs) Go on. Goal. <laughs> <laughs> Jasura was an infamous criminal in the Shori oh. Empire. The plague queen of Ko. Ko being one of the cities of the Shori. Mm. It's said that she had an obsession with supernatural diseases and magical manipulation of the sick and plague. Oh. When she ran out of victims of plagues, she began to create her own. Eventually, she was forced to flee Ko when her experiments were discovered. She sought asylum in Osirian, and from what I understand, Hakatev accepted her, provided her sanctuary. Every time I saw her, she seemed sickeningly infatuated. But he was married. Married, and with the way that he spoke of his wife, deeply in love. Well, his wife's sister cousin. No, just cousin. (laughs) She shared much of what she knew of the Shori magic with the Skyfarer, to my understanding. Enough for him to at least begin the construction. From the sound of the conversation, he had already begun the work here before going to Mekuhare. Mm. So I was at this not play- here when the construction originally started. So what, this play queen eventually just get tired of Hakatep not giving it up? <laughs> oh my. That's very crude. <laughs> but did he? <laughs> did she? <laughs> There's probably a more delicate way to say that. <laughs> yeah, well, she, yeah. <laughs> I mean, she's been long dead by now, I imagine. Maybe. I don't know. She might be undead, considering her obsessions. To my understanding, she was part of an attempted coup. Oh, oh it's not very coup to coup. Jordan. <laughs> Please leave that pause in. Regardless, eventually she... Jashura betrayed her sister to Hakatep. And from what I understand, as time passed, Hakatep became closer with Jasura's sister than he was with her. Eventually, Jasura attempted to betray Hakatep himself, hoping to become his queen. I believe there was some rumor that she attempted to murder his wife. Oh. So, eventually, when she decided to murder her, she needed additional power and she transformed herself with a potent supernatural disease. Into some sort of undead monstrosity? I believe so. That makes sense. Exactly also, what, I'm not certain. It also sounds like it could have been alchemical. She probably follows Ergothoa. Probably. Seems very Ergothoan. After her transformation, but before her attack against Neferuset, the Akumen discovered her plot. They captured her and imprisoned her. 
within a sarcophagus, more of a Iron Maiden than a coffin on the occasion that I saw it when it was brought here. Oh, she's, great. So here? she's here. Oh, perfect. Great. What a wonderful. She was buried with the Akumen, a prisoner to them for all eternity. Wow. Interesting. Hey, we can okay. ask her some questions. Okay, then. I mean, she might try to murder us, of course, but. She she's assuming think. she's still alive. No, I'm assuming she's still undead. No, she's probably insane. If she's still alive, most definitely. You are not constructed in a way to perceive eternity. Mm-hmm. No offense. So where is she? In the Guardian Vault, south from here. Is that a place we have to go? Probably. Masika starts pawing through the instructions from Chisisek. Probably. I feel like we're going to have to go everywhere. Just imagining the scroll is like <laughs> one of those like ones you unfurl and it's like 20 feet long. <laughs> if you are going to activate the trenches, yes. Oh, lovely. I mean, in general, just imagine if it's bad, we're probably going to have to deal with it. That's been the assumption I've had the entire time we've been here. Mm-hmm. I mean, it seems most prudent. The Guardian Vault houses the Pharaoh's Key. Yeah, we need that. Yep. Hmm. Well, Interesting. Hmm. True. Regardless, so, Jasura was not one of the ones that was actually buried with the Pharaoh. She is still here somewhere. Well, here in the Guardian Vault. So, what happened to her sister? From what I understand, the Akumin killed her when Hakatep died and buried her in Hakatep's pyramid. Oh. That right, seems so a little... Um, what about his wife? Did she, did yeah. she outlive seems him? Seems a little offensive to his wife. From what I understand, she killed herself when her husband died. Uh, she'll be in there too. So he's got his wife and his mistress in his pyramid. That's great for yeah, attorney as undead. All right, guys, here's what we're going to do. We've got to wake up the mistress, wake up the wife, and have them go ham on Hakatep. <laughs> Who do you love more? <laughs> You know, it's yeah, not going to be that weird. This was... is like ancient Egypt. Yeah. No, they probably were cool with it. It's, you know. Also, it may have been like, I like her magical ability, so I keep <laughs> her around. I was going to say, to be fair, um, Sudi saw the previous vision where Hakatep pledged to take no wife but his cousin, Neferusa. No wife yeah, doesn't but say nothing about mistresses. Have, yeah, That's you fair. can still do things with people without being married. <laughs> Maybe she was into it. And it Again, was that was when uh, or... Nahamra was there like, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like this also. That Hakatep was like, yeah, it's like some sapiosexual thing. It's like, man, I just love the way her mind works. I'm I'm here for Thruple. I think Thruple is what's you happening. Thinking Thruple. The first sister was didn't really vibe with the wife. Also, well, she, she gave she off that creeper plague doctor vibe. <laughs> yeah, the whole disease thing. No one really liked. Just picturing Enchantress. A little mm. bit. <laughs> she looked very plague ridden. Great. So I think tonight's agenda is to kill a giant bird, right? Yeah. We made it weaker. Why do I feel like we're missing something else that was in the vision? Oh, well, the vision ended with Hakotep making a deal with Mekuhare, but the terms of it weren't said. It was weirded strangely. Something about the Osirian you leave will not be the Osirian you return to. And Hakotep turning and mentioning his brother and looking towards Sotis. Yeah, do you know what happened with him and his brother? I know that his brother betrayed him. Well, everybody betrays you. Hakatep. Yeah, it seems like a lot of people betrayed Hakatep. Well, Hakatep seems kind of like a jerk. Well, his brother wasn't much better. I wonder if that was some sort of strange, like, sphinx foreshadowing to the fact that he'd be back in the common age or whatever. Modern it's age, possible. common age, he I don't know. He had any sort of divinatory power, maybe. I'm sure he had all sorts of powers. I, I, I mean, want to see that sphinx. I want a riddle. I want to see what's up his sleeves. 
metaphorically? He wasn't wearing any sleeves. Well, it's metaphor. And I want to learn the things. If so, you want to go after the giant crazy, the giant sphinx that can drive you insane with a riddle, I'm. You can do that after we deal with Hakatep. Oh, well, sure, sure. Oh, something else <laughs> is an important detail. If you are going to do that, show respect because yeah, Hakatep started the entire thing, pouring out an entire magic bag of gold. Uh, well, I got a folding box I could fill with gold. Okay. No, no, like much going, bigger than the, what uh, that can hold. Going back, so brother betrayed him. Do you have any details on that? Like how he betrayed him, what happened to him afterward? No. Oh. Hakatep never s- shared any details. With but Hakatep that was victorious. So that happened before he summoned you. Yes. I understand oh. that the conspirators, there were a number of them, were put to death. A fair amount of his inner counsel. It is said that Hakatep nearly died himself and carried the scars from the betrayal for the rest of his days. Both physical and mental. He was only saved by the magical power of Nahamra. Oh, dang, your ancestor saved him. Only to eventually betray him later in life. Well, he was dead. I don't know. <laughs> to be fair, he only betrayed him in death. It's true. <laughs> he was working for his, his current pharaoh. Well, well, we'll talk to Nahamra when we find a horde of ghosts, I guess. And a Hummer's like one of those uh, secret service agents. Huh. It's like I'm not really it's the office. I'm not really dedicated to one pharaoh. I'm dedicated to the pharaohs as a concept. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? I do. All right, rude. All right, so bird. Yeah, but we're looking for that dust taken now because we think we uh, weakened him a little bit with a doohickey in the uh, vault. Is is that Osiriani? A doohickey? It's like a thingamabob. <laughs> it's a thingy. A doodad. There's a magic pedestal Alice, that Alice, has you figurines. Oh, you switch into a language we don't understand. <laughs> and uh, th- there's a figurine of you that would let us, we think, talk to you if we put it in put it in the pedestal. Yeah, it's real cute. Actually, Look at it. Yeah. I pull it out and show it. <laughs> it's a good recreation, right? I put on a few a few pounds in the last six thousand years. Oh, can't even <laughs> tell. Can't even tell. Yeah, I was gonna say we definitely wouldn't be able to tell with how big he is. And so, uh, so we think we weakened a lot of the bird's power, and considering the Hakatep is back, we, dealing with his giant, crazy, powerful bird is kind of up there on the agenda. Specifically, we severed its connection to its magical ability, I believe. We have made it mortal. Ah, that's it, mortal. Anyway, we're going bird hunting. Um, I'm sure you can't go because you got to stay doing your, your thing here, but... Uh, I thought the mortal thing was for the dinosaur. I think it might have been both. No, we, we, we weakened it, though. Well, well we, we weakened, weakened the bird. it, but the, the dinosaur is what we turned into something that can be killed. But Technically, we, we haven't turn. done anything to the dinosaur yet. I don't know where the dinosaur is, and I'm very concerned about the dinosaur existing. But for right now, it's the bird. Yes. So. I can take you to find the dust ticker if you so wish. Oh, awesome. You may be able to gain another ally. Oh. Kaya Utef despises the dust taker. He may Ooh, be willing to sphinx. assist you. All right. I do not know what his price would be. Well, I'm all for meeting sphinxes. Hey, we can bargain with him and see. If Kayutef turns on you, I can aid you. But I cannot raise my blade against the dust taker. You Fair can enough. just watch and, you know, cheer us on. You know, pick us up if we die and bury us or something. I know a few holes. Excellent. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so where can we find the sphinx? I guess let's go talk to him first. He's not far from here. Although somewhat far from here, as far as you are concerned, yeah. I can take you in short order. I suppose let's begin the trip. We have a boat. 
Oh yeah, it's a sand boat. We do have a sand boat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by Check the way, the we've got boat. a we've got a boat, and he's like, "That's not gonna be any useful here." <laughs> <laughs> it's a sand boat. <laughs> I don't think there's enough sand in the trench though for us to use the boat. Probably in the not. It, it specifically says it has to be sand. It can't be like you know ground up bone. Tomorrow dust. I'll do Phantom Steed, and then we can just drive a chariot through this place. <laughs> Does it come with a chariot? Yeah. Or sorry, it's Phantom Chariot. Okay, there it is. I was like, I was like, Phantom Steed doesn't come with a chariot; it's just a horse. No, no, Phantom Chariot, and then we can drive a chariot rick- ridiculously through this place. Speaking of things being cut from the podcast, is Rick measuring the, the absolute, things. like, incredible distance we're going to have to walk? Yep. All right. So, Geno Sphinxes are they the ones that are a little stupid and violent? No, that's a Hero Sphinx. Hero Sphinx. Hero Sphinx. I That's think the Geno Sphinxes are the male Sphinxes that are actually chill and are usually the ones that breed with the type of Sphinx that Tetasura is. is. Okay, cool. Cool, cool, I cool. think. I don't know. We can roll something for that. You may make a knowledge arcana if you want to stop conjecturing and know what your characters know. We like to know what our characters know. I don't have any knowledge arcana. That's Masika conjecturing. <laughs> Hollis knows some stuff. She rolls. Sudi also doesn't have knowledge arcana despite having lore sphinx and having. Well, that would probably work. roll lore sphinx. I'm gonna roll lore sphinx. Um, I roll a twelve for a thirty-five on my arcana. I yeah, rolled a I rolled nine it. for a thirteen lore sphinx. Yeah, I only rolled a four for a sixteen. It's only been like three books since I got to use Lore Sphinx for anything. Sphinx! Okay, I apologize. It's not a Geno Sphinx, it's a Gypso Sphinx. Oh, that's a new one. Weird. I don't know what that is. There's a first or Geno Sphinx was the female type. Geno Sphinx is the female. Okay, all right. Like vagina. (laughs) That's getting good. Gynecologist. (laughs) Vagina's not a bad word. It's just I didn't make that connection until she was just like, Gyne, Gene, <laughs> Greek roots. They don't even sound the same. <laughs> or Gyne, or G-Y-N, the, re- the Greek root word. Gyne. Gyne. As a fun, as a fun side note, the reason I'm probably not familiar with this is it actually comes from the Midgard bestiary for Pathfinder. Oh, Midgard. What? So Technically, it's a third-party book. Wait. Okay, then. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. You mean to tell me that Paizo included a third-party bar- book? third party book monster in a first party adventure path. I wonder if it was actually created by Michael Cortez. Mm. Oh, it's maybe. It's printed in the book as well. Um, oh, 100% it would have to be. Just like where they had a lot of stuff that's like, this is in Tome of Horrors, and oh, then they no. definitely had it It's, uh, it's by Adam Daigle. Oh. Adam! Daigle. Good old Daigle. I hope he's doing oh, okay. Adam. Yeah, yeah I hope too. he's doing good too. I hope he is too. Mm-hmm. Us Texans got stick Fellow together. Texan, yes. Yes, indeed. The Gypso Sphinx. Uh, they're primarily evil. They have the Great. body of a lion, the wings and head of a vulture. Ah. Oh, so um, what's his face is also a Gypso Sphinx, except real, real old. What? No, because he had a human head. Oh, okay. Oh, right. His hey, head was, was, but his yeah, wings were vulture. Yeah, wings of a vulture. Yeah. Okay. Great. I'm going to get but to the But they're most uh, famously Sphinx. known as being messengers of death, or considered at the very least to be death omens. Great. Cool. That being said, Great. they primarily they tend to be just as curious and um, or just as curious and riddle obsessed as a majority of their you know, other cousins, uh, and as such can be usually approached in much the same way. Mm. Ooh, we uh, once know a again, riddle. they are entirely male, and therefore they have to find a Geno Sphinx to actually reproduce. I think the Geno Sphinxes are the only. I believe they sphinxes. are. I, I think that the, there's a wide variety of male sphinxes. And then there's only the one type of female sphinx. 
Although now elder sphinxes are in the mix, so who knows? But there's one type of male sphinx that's good, and almost all the other ones are evil. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Probably the one with the human head. <laughs> so do we need to bring a riddle with us, or is he going to ask us riddles? What are we thinking? How is a raven like a writing desk? What's in my pocket? <laughs> Most likely he'll ask you a riddle when you arrive. I was going all to right, say the enough. sphinxes do the riddles. Is there any anything Did they you like? Did sphinx-splain me, sir? Master Sudi? <laughs> What's a sphinx explain? <laughs> it's where you explain sphinxes to me as though I don't know about them. I suppose so? I don't I know. I don't even remember what they said. just making a statement. <laughs> I feel like just I'm being like, bullied for being a male. Hollis <laughs> just pats you on the shoulder and grins. If you wish to follow me, I can take you to the Amber Chronograph. That All is right, where that we will cool. find him. Is there any kind of... Um, like, thing that he likes or collects. It's not like we have time to go shopping. He likes the I'm Amber just... Chronograph. All right. Well, let's go to it. He likes it. He's there. He'll be in a good right. mood. What's, what's the Amber Chronograph? It is a complex device. Um, I bet it's made of amber. It's a obelisk with numbers, although the numbers shift and change steadily, as if counting down towards something. Oh. Um, that feels bad. It's a countdown clock, y'all. Mm-hmm. But it's not the one. Yikes. Not the other one, right? Wait, no, it can't be a countdown. Wait, it could be counting down to something else. I, for, I forget. Is the is Hakatep before or after the four pharaohs of ascension? Before. Before. They could have just thrown one out here just because. Uh, yeah. yeah. For funsies. Yeah, but it's probably not a countdown clock in the like pharaoh of numbers countdown clock. I think it is. This one just is an egg timer. Um, it resets every, you know, twelve minutes or whatever. If it's an Osirian and it's an obelisk that's counting down to something that nobody can figure out what it is, it's one of the countdown clocks. Weird. Very weird. It's fine. It's just when, you know... Not our problem. An elder <laughs> god's gonna bust through. It's no big deal. It's just some I other hear they solve that in the future. <laughs> yeah. So, you collect yourselves, you make your way. You travel back down the direction you came, navigating your way further steadily kind of hopping back and forth. Once you do a quick couple twists and turns, you start to get towards the eastern edge of the trenches. On your way past, you pass by another one of the obelisks towering up above you. Uh, if you wish to ask, your yeah, we ask. Yes. guide would be happy to tell you that it is one dedicated to the god Toth. Oh, well, huh. I was going to say Masika should have known that one. Well, again, you yeah. have to actually get up next to it. Yeah. Uh, I was like, we're in the trench. We can't actually even probably see tall. anything, but maybe the top of this thing. Uh, from there, you round the corner and then are forced to follow a path that stretches on for about two miles. Although it actually continues on past that before you reach the second intersection. We also ask about the, the uh, statues yeah. we pass here. At the first intersection, you pass a statue of Tall. Oh. Hey, that's the one I hey, like. Hey, Tall. And then as you continue down, once you actually reach your turn, you begin to pass a statue of Ra, or the obelisk dedicated to Ra. Cool, cool. cool. From here, you turn and make your way heading basically in towards the heart of the slave trenches. Again, the walk is not difficult, as in essence, it is pretty flat down here, although the height of the surrounding ground varies somewhat. For the most part, you still stay at a depth of some five stories. So it's basically like they cut down to a, a set depth and then said this entire thing is that depth, no matter how deep the rest how of high like the, the, ground the surface is, yeah. above was. Wow. It's pretty level everywhere you go, other than the mounds of bones. Fair enough. Oh, right. We got to watch out for some weird undead earth elemental doodads. 
From here you turn and only make your way a short distance before turning again. In the distance you can see another obelisk of which, if you ask, which I believe you are want to do. Definitely. Yeah. You can determine is an obelisk dedicated to the goddess Sekhmet. Ah, Sekhmet. Hey. From here you make your way, in essence, following the exact same path that you just took south. <laughs> north for almost the entire same length for another Seriously? almost two miles. Tomorrow I'm preparing the chariot. Tomorrow. That's what we're doing. By this point, it has taken you close to about an hour and a half to reach this. After that, you then follow a winding, snaking path back and forth, east to west, over and over. Oh my god. And over again, seven times as you spiral your way in a slowly snaking path back to the south, to the point that it actually takes you about three and a half hours to walk from where you were to where you are, a distance of only two mile, miles as the crow flies, but 11 miles as the path Ugh. that you walked to get here. I feel like all of us need to learn how to fly for like overland flight times. I actually have <laughs> the ability only. to, uh, what was it? the ring of stony flesh? Uh, yep, here it is. Allows uh, me to move through unworked stone or earth as easily as a fish swims through water. Mm -hmm. Is this considered unworked stone? Some portions of it are, some portions are not. Okay. So like the walls, yes, but technically speaking, she could actually sink down into the earth, go under one of the walls, and then rise back up on the other side. Well, I could uh, fly, so if the rest of y'all can figure something out, then we can I go mean, Masika can fly for 13 minutes a day. I can fly for 15 minutes a day. I mean, I can use my sword. Why aren't we and she flying? has her, Because I don't think our friend can fly. But he can walk through walls. He can earth glide, though. He can earth glide. Oh, well, anyway. After your long walk, however... The long, winding trench comes to an end. As you begin to approach the end of this, you can see a sheer wall ahead of you and a massive amber obelisk. The trench walls here reach a depth of 60 feet. However, the obelisk itself is nearly 50 feet in height. Its faces are inscribed with hundreds of complex, often overlapping hieroglyphs, inscribed symbols that slowly change and seem to adjust and reform on their own almost in front of your eyes. Mm. The changes are so subtle, even as you begin to approach, that it's more just this odd, disconcerting sensation as you look back and it feels like they've changed when you weren't looking directly at them. Nearby, you can see a nest comprised of numerous branches and various bones. This lays at the base of the strange amber monolith. A single figure stands nearby. He cocks his head as you approach, and again, at the description given to you was somewhat accurate in that he appears to be a lion-like creature with the head of a vulture and the wings of a vulture. And the brain of a vulture. No. Cool. Whoa. I yep. love him. Rad. The creature turns, clacks his vulture-like beak, before turning to face all of you directly. He eyes Tefnaju, who stops a few feet away, folds his arms over his chest, resting a hand on his axe, but not pulling it. <laughs> the Sphinx cocks his head towards the rest of you. Uh, good afternoon. It is very nice to make your acquaintance, Kai Utef. And she, like, gives a nod. Everybody nod. We all give a, a I take a hat, I do a nod with a hat type situation. Masika waves. We come seeking your aid. Against and defeating a big old bird. The Dusk Taker. It is unlike Tefnaju to bring in outsiders. You must be special. Been told that. 
been told that before. God, that clack got me. <laughs> um, I mean, we have come this far without getting killed. So, special? <laughs> Interesting. Would you be interested in aiding us in taking down the the Dusk Taker? The creature inhales deeply. Conjurt mm. has long been a thorn in my side. Well, we found a way to uh, weaken some of its magic, and we're going to try to take it down. Hmm. Here there is no south nor west nor east, and weather unfit for either man or beast. Where am I? Is it the North Pole? Space. South, south thinking to Pole. South Pole. Space. I don't know. It's one of the poles. Well, because if it's the, the South Pole, there is no south. You can't go souther than the South Pole. Yes. Because isn't it when you're on the point. South Pole, everywhere is technically north like, when you're actually on the pole. But there yeah. are creatures that live there. Yeah, it's on the edge. Not in reality. <laughs> Fancy, you know, cold immune creatures in Galarian, so. Yeah, but that wouldn't be a man or beast. Man or beast don't have natural cold immunity. Animal subtype and, I you said know, North humanoids. Pole. I was close. <laughs> I believe you're in the South Pole, friend. You appear to be learned people, then. We may engage. I, as you know, am Kai Utef. We would be honored if you would engage with us. I'm Hollis. I'm Masika of the Beckon. This is Narmer. Sudi. Uh, and I am Sitra Nahamra. I will ask questions of you, and you may ask questions of me. Together we may aid one another, but I must have answers, personal and true. Okay. I will begin. Very well. He stands up to his feet and begins a slow pace okay. before staring down at Masika. How young were you when your father died? Oh, Lord, I don't remember how old I was. We're being quizzed on our backstories. <laughs> you better get that all ready, y'all. Uh-oh, let me open up the file. Aha, <laughs> <laughs> surprise, you should have memorized. You should have told us to have our backstories have out. so many Rick. backstory <laughs> elements I have to keep track of for some <laughs> characters. <laughs> I don't have that specific date memorized. Hello. Hold on, let me look this up. It's in her diary. I keep it here next to my heart. There you go, Stinger. That's Stinger <laughs> Jr. <laughs> uh, I was 15. 15, yes. Mm, very well. Now you may ask a question. That is how this game works. All right, Masika, go. Are you, you, you gonna help us kill the bird? <laughs> I can, although I will not engage with it physically again. He shifts slightly, and you can see this scar running down the length of his Whoa. left hand side. Okay, so he knows about it. We should ask about it. He knows about the bird. You, my elven friend, mm -hmm. how did it feel to scatter those ashes in the river? I scattered ashes in a river for your friend? Merit Hetef. Merit Hetef? Yeah, Merit Hetef. Oh. <laughs> wasn't in your backstory. The first yeah, episode during the show. <laughs> Not just backstory, I'm also making you remember the previous episodes now. I know, oh, right? Oh, gosh. Dang. Going back like uh, 100 episodes. It felt like saying goodbye to a little piece of myself. Not a piece that I didn't expect to lose, 
but a piece that I lost nonetheless. Hmm. Your turn. What do you know of the Dusk Taker that would help us in combat against it? Uh, it is quick and powerful. It swoops from above and strikes without warning. It is surprisingly stealthy for a creature its size. Its mind is unreadable, and it can control things with a thought. It has great magic power. You. The creature stops in front of Citra. So much. Death, I smell on you. I mean, we've always thought my family was cursed. Maybe that's it. What were his last words to you? You know of whom I speak. He who set you on this path. I warned you. It would be personal. I'm more curious why you even want to know. But I will tell you. He told me he loved me and that he was sorry. Did it make you feel better? No, of course it didn't. That was two questions. Mm. And she elected to answer. So we get two from you. I don't think that's in the rules. I don't think that's how that works. You just gotta not answer if he asks you one out of order. What is your question? Why don't you like the Dusk Taker? It is territorial. When I first arrived here, it confronted me. Perhaps not comfortable with something of its own power in the sky. We had a great battle. I would argue it was a draw. So she's gonna bite her tongue? Because <laughs> uh, she's starting to doubt that. Oh, 100%. But I saw in its eyes my death. Not that day, but someday. A course that I wish to avert. Hmm. He steps around to Sudi. Hmm. Do you remember your mother's last kiss before she died? I do not. Hmm. So much taken from all of you. So you said you would not face the Dust Taker in physical combat. Understandable. How would you aid us? With what abilities would you use to fight? Hmm. Fight. I would not, but that does not mean that I cannot aid you. Are we still playing the game? No, that seems sufficient. So how are you going to aid us exactly? I possess certain gifts, a mystic sight, if you will. So, so you just kind of like mutters to everybody, ability to read minds? I can see death in all its forms. I see the death that you carry with you. He stares over your heads as if looking down the full length of the nearly mile-long chasm you've walked down. I mean, we've definitely left some uh, some people behind us. There's definitely a lot of death here. Definitely a lot of exploded cultists. No, I mean, dead people, slaves mm. that died here. Oh, I mean, yeah, also that. If you would like, I can tell you how you will die. How is that going to help us? It could very well be that you would die against the Dusk Taker or any of the other various traps in this place. And by seeing one possible death, we may be able to avert it. Understand that the future is nebulous. You know, lost omens and all. But I can provide you with a single course by which if it were to come to pass... Your death would come for you. 
It could be here. It could be today or tomorrow or a hundred years from now. But I can provide you an answer. And that helps us hear how exactly? I'm assuming there's probably some sort of game mechanic. There is a game mechanic, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a game mechanic way of potentially telling us what we're going to be facing, you know. All right, sure. Why not? Masika shrugs. Divination is divination. Very well. I will ask each of you to roll me a d8. Ooh. Oh, my. Everybody get different numbers. I rolled a four. Mechanically speaking, uh, first off, you may make a will save if you wish to resist this effect. Can I identify what the effect is? Uh, no, it is supernatural, although you do know that the, as previously stated, these creatures are kind of omens of death. Ah, okay. Eh, I won't resist it. Uh, if I die, I mean, avenge me, y'all. Yep, I suppose all of us will fail the save. Yep, just saying it's possible. Hmm, I smell water. Hmm. Stagnant. Hmm. I hear. Hmm. What is that? Voices. No. Mm, singing. Oh. Sirens? Oh, and a scream. Such a scream to rent body and soul. Don't listen. Don't listen to the screams and the song in the water place. Game mechanically speaking, you have been issued a warning of death. Ooh, excite. Cool, what's that do? Mechanically, this means that you can now mentally prepare yourself for that death. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if you're confronted with something that could be interpreted as being predicted, the predicted deadly threat, you gain a plus four morale bonus on all saving throws and constitution checks to stabilize as long as the threat persists. Wowzers. As a side note, uh, you only get this bonus once, so if you happen to stumble across the exact same situation again, you'd already finished mentally preparing yourself the first time. <laughs> I can't I wrote re-prepare. Down my clues. I was going to say, <laughs> everybody grab a piece of paper. And you, catfolk. What'd you roll? I rolled a one. In typical me fashion. Mm. Mm. There's something quiet and dark. A tomb, an unintentional tomb, a tomb for a traitor. Mm, there's something here. It makes no step. It has no smell. Oh, but its eyes. Do not look in its eyes. Oh, it takes everything. Not life, not at first, but everything that you are. One dream and memory at a time. I think I know where that's going to be. Mm. The Guardian Tomb. Or, yeah, the Guardian Tomb with uh, um, Plague, Plague Queen. And you, young nomad. I rolled a seven. In typical Heather fashion. It's not an eight. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. But seven's the best Final Fantasy, so I'm okay with it. There you go. <laughs> Narmer, memorize this. Okay. He opens up his mouth and it makes that tape recording click sound. <laughs> hmm. I'm somewhere tight, enclosed, hot, not the desert heat, no, burning, searing, crawling into my lungs. Yeah, I don't like that. There's something here. It moves quickly. They move quickly. A pack of 
creatures and one great hunter at its lead. Its axe, its teeth, so many arrows, no escape. That is how it ends. Weirdly, didn't come with a warning of don't do something. Except don't be in that situation. Don't, don't go into blood. that room. <laughs> Stay in the hallway. <laughs> now so we're going to be paranoid about AP, every room. The Sika's like, I'm not going in there. If you get anywhere with a temperature over 100, stay in the hallway. <laughs> Don't go in. <laughs> like the we we, start we have to start sending in Hollis first so she can just absorb all the fire and such. Excuse me, what? And lastly, you, inheritor nope. of death. Inheritor? What? Inheritor? I don't like that. It clings to you like a mantle. But not them? No. No, just you. What did you roll? I rolled a five. Mm. Someplace open, windy. There's a smell. Like a desert storm. There's a shadow. Shadow in the room. An emerald light. But in the shadow cast by that light. A familiar silhouette. He spreads his wings, casting shadow against the ground and over you. I hear a crackling of thunder. Blades, wind, and a touch that saps life. So avoid being touched by a storm. Bart. So he makes like a wings motion with his hands? Could be. That is what I may offer you. A vision into your future. A warning, not a threat. Hmm. You mind if I take a gander at that there uh, countdown pillar? Go ahead and make me diplomacy. Oh, okay. I roll a 12 for a 28. You seem a learned sort. Nice. He gestures with the wing, allowing you to pass. Hollis is going to inspect the pillar. I suppose, I suppose the rest of us will just kind of wait here because... Well, I mean, it depends on what kind of knowledge checks it is. I pull up my journal, take a little sketch situation, and do whatever magic detection. You may start with things. a knowledge history if you so wish. Okay. All right, I roll a 13 for a, 20, a 31. With a 31, this strange and curious object becomes almost paradoxically stranger and more curious the more time you look this over. You believe this is one of Osirian's infamous countdown clocks. Ah. Its face presents a ponderously complex set of interwoven equations that constantly shift and reform. Oh man, it's covered in math, y'all. But it does seem to be counting down. It's the Octurn Enigma, y'all. You do realize that the style of the carvings and the numbering on this magical amber device are ancient, but not as old as everything else in the slave trenches. Oh. Oh. If anything, Somebody this added this more recently. Artifact dates to a more recent period known to the Assyrianologists as the Age of the Black Sphinx. So it's huh. about a thousand huh. years younger than the slave trenches. Okay, Weird. All right. Age of the Black Sphinx. I note that down. Uh, you may make a Knowledge Arcana or Knowledge Nature check. Can I make a knowledge nature check from where I'm at? I mean, you can approach also. He had no issue with any of you stepping forward. Uh, knowledge Arcana. I roll a nine for a 
32. I roll a 13 for a 36 on nature. Nice. The two of you confer. Hmm. Yes. Well, look at my note. I drew, I sketched. Sugar clucks along, aiding you as she bobs her head out of her little satchel. Narmer just stares up and begins to attempt very complex long math with his mathematical brain. <laughs> ah, it doesn't make any sense. It's not metric. Ah! <laughs> Who would use such an inefficient imperial system? Uh, <laughs> both of you conferring with one another after about an hour or so. <laughs> we just stand here for an hour. <laughs> no, Sudi and Citra stand here for an hour. Y'all get to work. <laughs> Sudi and Citra take, have taken the Senate board out. Or, yeah, and I was like, yeah. the Senate yeah. board. Couple games Senate. of Senate. <laughs> couple hundred games of Senate. Yep. The Sphinx and Tefnaju are just kind of like tagging out on whoever wins. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Citra's been going for like 20 rounds strong. Kaiu Tef is like, oh man, I haven't played this in 100 million years. <laughs> there are a couple odd things about this. First off, the Amber Chronograph does appear to be unique as far as countdown clocks are concerned. This appears to be made of solid amber. Cool. Which none of the other countdown clocks are. Hmm. The hieroglyphs here represent the 11 planets of Galarian's solar system. Avalon, Castravel, Galarian, Akaton, Verses, Eox, Triaxis, Lavara, Bretheta, Aposte, and Octurn. Hmm. A little bit more familiar for our Starfinder players. Yeah. Yep. Sans Galarian. Spoiler. <laughs> Interestingly... The motion of these planets' orbits seem strangely synchronized with the patterns of numbers on the walls, suggesting that the countdown clocks are counting down to an unknown number of units of time before some strange planetary or astronomical conjunction. Hmm. Further compounding this strangeness is the fact that these 11 planets are each here associated with a separate sacrifier, one of the 11 oh. gods represented in this site. Whoa! Although frustratingly, in each case, the image of the planet obscures the top of each sacrifier, making it impossible to know which sacrifier the creator of the amber chronograph originally intended to link with which planet. Interesting. Oh man, there could have been some cool cosmology stuff we learned there about the old gods. Hmm. We've been denied. The only other things that you guys can really take away from this, uh, these, this is basically an artifact. Uh, or artifact level magic, although again, what it's counting down towards, you can't quite be certain. If Masika brings it up, most people, again, you're getting into the Lovecraftian zone here. Yep. Visions and legend lores tend to actually cause insanity in those that attempt them on these devices. Mm -hmm. At the very well, least, they become, really they are maddingly vague and often on multiple castings contradictory, <laughs> despite successful castings of the spell. All right. I guess I'll share, you know, anything I know with Kai Utef since he's so interested in it. And then, uh, you know, we can let him be with this cool magic rock. Mm. You seem to have come to many of the same conclusions that I have. Mm. It's very interesting. Mm. Well, we'll leave you to it. Yes. In a few years, you'll know what's happening. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> well, g given that way of, of representing it, you would have no idea when it was going to happen. Oh, yeah, but I, that's me as Heather saying, in a <laughs> yeah. few years, it'll be fine. He omin ominously runs one clawed paw along the side of the amber chronograph. My precious. Hollis, I think he has his own spring string board. Hmm. I feel that none of us will have to wait much longer for our answers. Oh, that means it's going to be bad. That makes sense. I mean, good people don't just stick creepy countdown clocks out in the desert. Hmm. There was a 
random tangent here. This only <laughs> just occurred to me with this uh, crazy death-seeing vision thing. There was a Nicolas Cage movie that came out. I think it was called Numbers, where there was somebody that could base... I, th- I can't remember what exactly what it is, but there was somebody that could basically predict deaths before they happened and would write down dates and then the number of people that died. And then there was a specific date that basically just wrote down everyone else. I think you're talking about knowing. Knowing. That's right. There was another. There was a different numbers thing called Numbers. Numbers is the show. Okay. Yeah. Knowing is. That's what I was thinking. Knowing. Numbers anyway. is a great show. I remember it not being a good movie, but I remember <laughs> the concept of finding a thing that showed you everyone dying and then just had one thing at the bottom that just says everyone else and has a date being a really good horror movie moment. That anyway. was a pretty good uh Pretty good uh, plot hook. Well, uh, thank you for the death visions. Um, they'll, they'll come in handy. Yep, you have a good one. I've rarely been thanked for it. We have well, a weird relationship with danger. We're special. Hmm. It takes a certain type to be so intrinsically linked to death. And uh, if you hear sounds of battle and or screams or this whole place activates, it's us. It's cool. Hmm. Oh, yeah, we are going to do that eventually. I don't think it should bother you much, though. No, as long as I'm left to my research. Understandable. Mm. I look forward to reading your thesis. Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> I know some good publishers, if you're ever interested. Publish? You know, if you feel like it. I am a sphinx. Oh, yeah, that's fair. I will determine its secret and give it to the worthy. I'm Hollis Arkweather. Send me a message if you determine the secret. Maybe I can prove myself worthy. Always interested in arcane knowledge. Um, but for now, we're going to go hunt a bird. Mm, Imagining the, uh, the Elijah Wood as uh, <laughs> as Frodo like meme. Fine. Keep your secrets. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose then uh, you turn to go and yep. toughness you nods. Very well. Masika mm-hmm. holds out her arm where there's the nick. Am I just going to keep this for a while? I mean, I'm not going to lie to you, but um, I, I don't want my head to explode. <laughs> the mark what if she's trying to soothe you and she tells a white lie to your face because it's your dying wish to know something and she tells you the lie and then she dies? And I mean, anyway, it could be Never lie to me! <laughs> <laughs> you have to remember your oaths. I suppose you turn and begin to make your way back off. Windy it will probably be... It'll probably be dusk by the time that you find us. Yeah. Which is yeah. when he Perfect. comes out. So, you Perfect know, I, was say, I didn't assume we were going to go to his lair. You know, that no, comes out. Like, I'm like he's some he dragon with a horde. I mean, a lair might be the best place to try to take him on. True. Mayhaps. Depends on where he Just, layers. Well, yeah, Maybe because if he's, yeah. A, if he's up on a tall, you know, in an area. I read somewhere. over my wither limb spell and it only works on bipeds, even though it has rules for withering something's wing. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. Hmm. Birds are bipedal. I smell rules minutiae yeah, in our future. Yeah, they only have two legs. Well, it, we'll like have a, one. A dragon has there. six limbs, but a bird only has two. Like yeah, two so legs and that then guy's two arms. arms. It's bipedal. It's little wingies. Well, the here, the Sphinx would not be bipedal. No. Let me read it. I think it has to be like humanoids or monstrous humanoids uh, with bipedal or something. So oh, I'm like, this is not spell. useful. Yeah, I'm like, this is not nearly as useful as I thought it was. There. Because oh, uh, I bought, I, I had it memorized specifically to use against flying creatures, uh, but, you know. But I suppose you turn to make your way off, and yep. we'll pick it back up here next time. Oh, We're going to fight a ba- giant da- bird, da- y'all. Giant bird Every, walk walk giant another bird 20 miles or however long it's going to be. <laughs> I suppose before we go, as an important side note, just because I'm kind of aware that this is somewhat of a close thing, you do garner experience for negotiating <laughs> with the Sphinx 
for defeating a challenge rating of 14. Wow. He's a challenge rating of 14? Holy, Holy crap. Yeah, you, you don't want to mess with this guy. He's pretty awesome. <laughs> I think that's why Tef Niju was like, I'll help you guys out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if he goes help. crazy and tries to eat you, I'll to help. To be fair, he's but, got some yeah. cool spell like abilities, and pretty much all of them are death related. <laughs> oh, cool. I'm going to predict your death. It's Slay Living. Poke. <laughs> 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 Find the Path Ventures is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. Mommy's Mask is copyright 2014. Mummy's Mask and the Pathfinder Adventure Path are trademarks of Paizo. All Pathfinder images are property of Paizo and are used with permission.